good. We're here to worship. Yeah, just keep playing softly. We're here to worship. We're here to give him glory. I want every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second. We're, we're, we're going to preach, but I, I, I just want to give the Lord opportunity to just touch everyone here. I hope, I hope you came expecting God to just touch your heart and touch your mind and give us what we need to fight the devil again. Every, everywhere we go, there's opposition. Everywhere we go, there's darkness. You're the light. You're the light, and sometimes that light gets dim. Sometimes, sometimes it's easy to get run down. Sometimes it's easy to get, just, just, just get low. Sometimes we need God to recharge us. We need God to just, just infuse us with his power and his presence. And I want you to take just a moment and thank him. I mean, just thank him. Just, just praise him for just a moment. We're not here to ask for anything. We come to worship. Now, we're going to get, but we need to come to give. And I, I want you to take him just a moment and ask him and just, just praise him and thank him for something he's done for you, even if it's just for salvation, even if it's just, even if it's just for writing your name in the Lamb's book of life, even if it's just for creating you a home in heaven. I want you to do that right now. Just thank him. It may be for your family. You may be praising him for his love, for his forgiveness. God knows we all, all ought to thank him for that. But just praise him. Praise him in your heart. Praise him in your mind. Give him glory. Give him glory. Father, I thank you for all that you do. I thank you for your blessings. I thank you for your love and your touch and your presence in this place. God, we come to meet in your presence. We come, Lord, so you can, I, I, I know that you were not here waiting on us. You came with us. You dwell in every believer. But God, we do enjoy when you manifest your presence and we feel it and we know that you're here. And Father, I pray throughout this message, I pray throughout this worship service as we, we come to give you glory and give you honor and give you praise. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your direction. We thank you for your vision that you have given us here at Temple. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for being long-suffering. Lord, we thank you for putting up with us when nobody else probably would. And, and we thank you for not throwing us out when we probably deserved it. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness and your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the blood that was shed on Calvary that we could be forgiven. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will just touch us now. Give us what we stand in need of. We pray that your perfect will be done. And Lord, we'll praise you and thank you and give you all the credit, all the glory, all the honor for everything that's done. And God, will thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' precious name, and all God's people say it, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you may be seated. I want you to turn with me uh, to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in your Old Testament right before Psalms, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, all right? So it's in the earlier part of the Old Testament, uh, Nehemiah chapter number one. And while you're turning, let me give you a brief history, a recap of kind of where we are here in this particular chapter so that you might understand better what we are reading. The nation of Israel has gone into captivity because of their sin, because of their disobedience, because they refused to walk with God and obey his commands and do what God had called them and told them to do, uh, because of that, they went into captivity. They were in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. 70 years they were in captivity. 70 years they, they lived as slaves. 70 years they lived in a foreign land uh, with foreign people, with foreign languages. And, and, and then after the 70 years was up, God had mercy and God allowed a remnant to go back to Jerusalem. Now, you've got to understand, when they went into captivity, the, the enemy destroyed the temple. The enemy destroyed the gates of the city. The enemy destroyed basically the city in whole, and it was a mess. It was rubble. It was disaster. It was devastation. I'm talking about God's people, God's land, uh, Jerusalem, the, the very heart of the earth, if you will, the very heart of God. God allowed complete devastation, but God said it wouldn't always be that way. How many of y'all are glad that even in judgment, God always shows mercy? 
He said, I'm going to send them back. So we find 70 years, after 70 years of being into captivity, uh, Zerubbabel led a group of people back to Jerusalem, a remnant of people. God put it in the heart of the, of the leader there to allow them to come back. It was their job, it was their responsibility uh, to rebuild what had been destroyed. So they were to rebuild the temple. They were to rebuild the walls. They were to rebuild the city. But we know as we read history and we read uh, the accounts of what took place, uh, sometimes when you're you're rebuilding what's been broken, sometimes it's very discouraging. Are y'all with me? It was very difficult. It was a very hard time. And and, and it wasn't getting done like it should be getting done. They begin uh, after that, Ezra brought the second group of people from Babylonian captivity into Jerusalem, and they began to build the temple. The temple was restored. The temple was built. uh, And then uh, we find where we're at right here in Nehemiah. Uh, After a certain amount of time had passed by, when things should have been done, when the walls should have been built, when the city should have been restored, uh, Nehemiah is a prophet. He is in Shushan, the palace. He is in a comfortable place. He is in a place where uh, things are going pretty well in his life and and things are going great. He is an Israelite who has been in captivity most all of his life. And and this is is what happens in Nehemiah chapter number 1 in verse number 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Cheslu in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. In other words, he was checking on what was happening. How are things going? How, are the, how is the rebuilding? How is the process there? Because you've got to understand, they didn't, have, they didn't have technology back then. They didn't have email. They didn't have phones. They didn't have that. So, so you got, when a messenger came or a group of people come, then you got to know about what was going on. It says, and they said unto me, they said unto me, verse 3, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down, and I wept, he says. I wept and I mourned certain days, and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Listen, uh, he heard what was going on. He heard about the devastation, and it broke him. He was so discouraged, he was so distraught, and he began to pray, Oh God! Oh, God, would you forgive our people? Oh, God, would you restore the land? Oh, God, would you move in this situation? And we know that God calls him, and he takes and goes to the king. You see, he's a, he's a, he's a cupbearer to the king. He is in the audience of the king all the time. And now he says, he goes to the king, and he says, King, would you please? Would you please give us the timber that we need to build the walls? Would you give us the provision? Would you give us what is necessary to make this happen? And the king grants his request. The king not only grants his request, but he sends captains of the army to go with him. He gives him a letter to the king's forest to provide the lumber necessary to make it happen. And now he is going to Jerusalem. He is going to rebuild what has been destroyed. Are y'all with me so far? I know it's taking a little bit of time to set the table, but you will enjoy the biscuits when it's done. Say amen. All right, now we are in Jerusalem. Now we are in Jerusalem. We're in chapter number 2. We're in chapter number 2 in verse number 11. All right, chapter number 2, verse number 11. We see that there is a vision, and that's really the topic of the message today, is vision. Vision. He has got a vision from the Lord. The Lord has put something in his heart. The Lord has put a burning desire in his heart to do something about the need, to do something about what was going on in that particular place. And and now he arrives in Jerusalem. He is here. He's got the letters. He's got the lumber. He's got all this stuff that's necessary. And look what happens in verse number 11. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I arose in the night, and I and some few men with me, Neither told I any man that my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain in the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. In other words, there was so much rubble you couldn't even get through. 
Then went I up into the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whether I went or what I did, neither had I as yet told it to the Jews nor to the priests nor to the nobles nor to the rulers nor to the rest that did the work. Then said I unto them, Ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words, as he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. Somebody say amen right there. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But when Samballat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, and despised us, and said, What is this thing that ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? Then answered I them, and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore we are his servants, we will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Listen, I, I want you to see this. I, I want you to see vision. Vision. What is vision? Why is vision necessary? The Bible teaches us that without a vision, the people perish. And I, I, I have the privilege and I have, I have the honor to go and, and preach in several places around this country. And, and I have guys calling me all the time that are discouraged and they're down and they're frustrated and, they're, and they're, they're, just, they're just in a bad way all over our country because of what's going on. And one of the biggest reasons that I see difficulty and failure is a lack of vision. Without a vision, the people perish. You cannot lead people to somewhere that you don't know where you're going. Vision is so important. Vision is so critical. Helen Keller said this, there's, there's only one thing that's worse being born blind, and that's living with no vision. You can have all the eyesight in the world, but have no vision for your life. And she says, that's horrible. She came into this world deaf, dumb, and blind. But how she came into this world did not dictate how she left this world. I'm glad that God can give vision to do what's great. God can give vision to do what's right. God can give vision to do what's necessary to make a difference in somebody's life. Vision is so important. It's so important. And it's something that so many people lack. It's, I mean, listen, uh, this, 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 this uh, young class had homework to do. The teacher said, I want you to go this, this evening, and I want you to count all the stars from your backyard. And I want you to come back and give me the number that you come up with. So they came back. Little Susie came in, and, and the teacher said, okay, Susie, how many stars did you find? I counted 300 million stars. Wow, Susie, that's great. That's wonderful. Well, little Joe stepped up, and he said, how many, Joe, do you have? He said, well, I counted 300 billion stars. Wow, man, that's great. And then little Johnny steps up. <coughs> little Johnny said, I found, I, I counted three. And the teacher said, three? He said, yeah, I guess we just got a small backyard. Amen. <laughs> How many people live life like that? How many churches operate like that? How many people live a life of mediocrity and live a life of no excellence because they don't have any vision? Do you realize that we serve a God who spoke this world into existence? We serve a God who said, let it be, and it was, and it was good. We serve a God who spoke Mount Everest into existence, the Great Barrier Reef and the Great Atlantic Ocean and the Great Pacific Ocean, and we think he can't pay our power bill. We live with no vision. Well, we find a man by the name of Nehemiah. He comes and he has a vision. He comes, and, and let, me, let me give you three quick things, and then I, I want to share kind of what I believe God is going to do with Temple here in the future, all right? Number one, when it comes to vision, when it comes to vision, what do we need to know about vision itself? Number one, the Lord produces it. Say that with me. The Lord produces it. Say it again. You cannot come up with your own vision. You can't do it. Look what it says. The Bible says, the Bible says in verse number 12, he says, and I arose in the night, I and some of the few men with me, neither told I any man what, watch this, what my God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. You cannot come up with your own, you, you can't. And I, I see a lot of people doing that. Preacher, I believe God's called me to do I believe God wants me to, I believe God wants me to go 
and they, they build this big, huge thing up, and then they go, and it's an utter failure, and then they come back, and then they blame God. That's not the case. I, I, and I'll tell you, I, I learned, I, I, I hang out with a, a country fella, and, and, and this country fella, he says it like this. He said, his papa always told me, some of these people that say they're called, they just heard a bull beller. Are y'all with me? I believe there's a lot of folks, I believe there's a lot of folks that just heard a bull beller. Amen? You say, why? How many of y'all have ever heard this? It's a God thing. How many of y'all have ever heard that? It's a God. I've heard it all my life. When they see something, they see God doing something, they say, hey, this is a God thing. Do you know what? Do you know what? When it's a God thing, God will always give provision. Listen, when it's a God thing, it will never lack God's provision. When Nehemiah left, he had the provision of the Lord. He had letters to the king's forest. God will provide. My father's told me this my whole life. Wherever the will of God guides, the grace of God provides. You will never be out. Now, there'll be times when you'll pray and you'll think, what in the world's happening? Because God wants you to exercise your faith. But I promise you this, if you're in the will of God, God will provide. Wherever the will of God is. Listen, wherever, if it's a God thing, you'll never lack God's provision. And not only that, you'll never lack God's protection. The Bible says in the next verse that the king sent uh, the armies and the captains with him. What does that mean? Do you realize the safest place you could ever be is right in the perfect will of God? The, 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 the safest, listen, if God's will for your life is downtown Syria... If, if God wants you to be in Syria, do you realize you're safer in Syria than you are in Coleman? Why? Because God's hand is there. It's a God thing. Do you realize, I, I, had, a, I, had, a, I had a preacher, a mentor of mine this week kind of rattled my chain a little bit. And, uh, and uh, he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to encourage me to get me involved in a, in a certain ministry and all and and, 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 you know, I'm hesitating a little bit and, 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 and you know, just throwing the brakes on. And, and he said, look, look, he said, God did not do what he has done at Temple for you. Which I already knew that. But this is what he said. He said, Malcolm, he said, I think you can preach pretty good. He said, but you're right, there's a whole lot of people that can preach pretty good and probably better. And I knew that. I said, you're right. And he said, but God's not doing what he's doing there with them. And then he said this. He said, Malcolm, I believe you love God with all your heart. I really do. He says, because this, this preacher, he's like my, my spiritual father. And, 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 and he said, but you know, there's a lot of people that love God just as much as you and maybe more. And God's not doing what he's doing there with them. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. I'm saying this, it is no accident, it is no coincidence that God is doing what he's doing at Temple Baptist Church. That is no accident, God has a plan. God is up to something big. God did not put this place here just so we could be comfortable. God did not put this place here just so we could have a cool place to go to church. God did not put this place here just so we could have a wow factor. God put this place here for such a time as this. The world out there is getting darker and darker and darker and darker. But listen, God put us here to shine the light. God put us here to hold forth the word of life in a dark and perverse and crooked nation. The darker the night, the brighter the light. What I'm saying is this is a God thing. A lady, a lady the other day was inviting somebody to church, and they said, where do you go? She said, temple. And she, this, is what, this is what her friend said. Oh, that's that church where that preacher don't talk right. <laughs> Evidently, she's a little highfalutin, amen. <laughs> Bless God. Talk right. I'll tell you something. No. I hope she ain't here. Amen. <laughs> uh, anyway. Preacher, why are you saying that? Why? Why would God take a country boy that just soon be in the woods with his dog? Because they don't talk back. Say amen. I, I'm, I'm more comfortable in the woods. With my, I, I, I was up there. I was up there. Last week at that rally thing they had uptown. And, uh, and all these people, and, and, and I was like, God, get me out of here. 
I, I, I'm not comfortable with all that. I, I, man, just let, let, just let me get my dog, let me get my boots on, my light, and, and y'all, y'all can have all that political stuff. I, I just, just why, why would God do, why would God take somebody who, who I goofed off more in college? I'm telling you, I'm telling you. They, 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 everybody at college is amazed at Temple. Not because of Temple, because of the goober that's leading it. I was, the youngest, I was the youngest person in all the college, and I was the biggest guy. I'd get in trouble all the time. Mr. Car- I, I can't tell you how many times I hurt Mr. Carter in Bible college. How do you get in trouble in Bible college, you know? Why do you think God, it, 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 listen, God's up to something. And when it's a God thing, and by the way, here's another thing, too, that I've seen in this story. It's really not a part of the outline, but I've got to throw this in. When it's a God thing, <clears throat> And you need to hear this. I've been following a little bit what you're doing. And, and, and when it's a God thing, there's always going to be opposition to a God thing. Watch, watch what it says. Watch what it says. The Bible says in, 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 in verse number 10, verse number 10, Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse number 10. It says, when Samballot the Horonite and Tobiah the servant and the Ammonite heard of it. Watch what it says. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. What does that mean? If it's a God thing, you're going to have people that don't like what you're doing. It is. I mean, it's just, it, it is what it is. If it's a God thing, there will be people who don't like it. Ask Joseph. Joseph had a vision. It was a God thing. It was a God vision. And guess what? His brothers hated him for it. They threw him in a pit. And sold him into slavery. Are y'all with me? He said, hey, let me tell you what God done. And the next moment he was out in the pit saying, hey, what? what?" Say, why are you saying all that? Because a lot of times when when we run into opposition, we we take that, we take the opposition as this must not be God's will because everybody's not jumping on my wagon. And the fact that everybody's not jumping on your wagon should be confirmation that it's a God thing. Everybody wasn't for what we were doing here. I, I, rem- <laughs> I remember, I remember when we was in the little building. <clears throat> most, of, I, don't, I don't. Was there anybody in here? I, just, just out of curiosity, is there anybody in this building right now that was in the little building when I first came? In in the little building. All right, all right. Just a couple on this side. All right, all right, all right. Uh, brother, brother Jeff, do you remember when we, when we went to build the L-shape? We went to build the L-shape, and I said, hey, let's just, let's just go borrow the money. Let's just build it. Man, let's just make it happen. Uh, we, had, we, had, we had Sunday school classes in closets. Seriously, we were meeting in closets. They were meeting on steps going up into the, into the baptistry. That's where the little kids sat, and, and we just didn't have room. I said, man, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Do you realize we had people leave the church? They got angry and left the church and said, that preacher's going to lead us into bankruptcy. Now, I hadn't yet, but there's still time. Amen. (laughs) They did. They was going around all over town, just running us down, running me down and doing all that kind of stuff. You know what? That's fine. Guess what we did? We built it anyway. In just a little while, listen, God filled it up and God moved in the situation. Here's my point. Don't get sideways if there is opposition. Just take heart to know that if, they, if Jesus couldn't make everybody happy, you ain't either. And all God's people say it. Listen, I, I, I've told you this story before, but I, I got I to gotta tell you this. I got Because it just goes so much with this. Y'all heard when we were when we were building that L shape on, we was on the roof with four older guys. And I was casting vision. Man, I was a young pastor and I was wanting to, I just wanted to encourage them and, 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 and motivate them to, to do something great with God. Because right here where y'all are sitting was all grass. There was a day when this was all a big grassy field and, and we were sitting on the building and we were sitting there building that. And I said, guys, man, can't you see a 500 seat auditorium right there on that hill? And this is what they said. No. I'm like, at least lie to me, amen? Nope. And most people, they, you know, they, they get bugged out with that. But you know what it did for me? It made me mad. 
I was thinking, bless God, you're going to see one. I don't care if we kill We're going to see him. Who's told you you can't? Who's told you that it won't happen? Who's told you that you don't have what it takes? Don't listen to that jive. Because if it's a God thing, it don't matter who it is. If God can take, if God can take unlearned and ignorant men and turn the world upside down. Are y'all with me? <clears throat> let, let me let me say this. Let me say this. I, I, now I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself. Now I'm gonna go say it because I'll forget. This really don't go with this point. It comes up in really the third point, but I'm gonna say it because it's on my heart right now. Uh, you cannot dictate direction when it comes to vision by whiners. Y'all know what a whiner is? Not wino, whiner. How many of y'all know what a whiner is? I want you to understand this. In every church, there are whiners. Moses had whiners. Jesus had whiners. And then no matter where you go, there's going to be whiners. And let me tell you one of the greatest mistakes I ever made as a leader here at Temple Baptist Church. Several, several, matter of fact, we were still in that little building down there, and, and, and God was leading me to start a certain program, a certain ministry, and, 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 and I did it, and, 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 and guess what? When we started ministries, guess what I found out that there was whiners, didn't like it, had stuff to say, chatter, and guess what I did? I quit it. I stopped it. I listened to, and you know what? About three years down the road, God put it in my heart again. Hey, we need it because our church needed it. It was a ministry that we really needed at the church. And guess what? We kicked it off again. We started again. And you know what? I, I, did, a little, I, I did a little recollection. And I look back. And guess where the whiners were? Gone. Y'all with me? Can y'all hear me on that side right there? Gone. Preacher, what's your point? The people that I gave in to and I listened to, they got mad at something else and left anyway. And now I'm three years behind schedule because I listened to As long as I'm pastor at Temple Baptist Church, you got this promise. I will never dictate direction by whiners again. Never. Never. How many of y'all have ever heard the squeaky wheel gets the grease? At Temple, they get the boot. Y'all with me? Preacher, what's to say? Listen, if, if Nehemiah would have listened to the whiners, the wall would have never got built. If he would have listened to the people that told him he couldn't do it, if he would have listened to the people who said it couldn't be done, if he would have listened to the people who said he did not have what it takes. And they even began to mock the wall that he was building. They said if a fox jumps on that wall, that wall's going to fall down. Hey, here's what you need to do. You need to do what he did. They said, just keep chirping, boys. Just keep chirping because I'm going to keep building. I'm doing a great work. I don't have time to put up with your mess, and you don't even belong here. So get to stepping, you hater. I translated that a little bit. But that's what he said. Look, I, I'm a, some of y'all look like I look here. Look at verse 20, verse 20. Then I answered them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. That's translated, get to stepping, hater. <laughs> and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. It's a God thing. It's a God thing. If it's a God thing, there will be opposition. That's fine. That's fine. Listen, sometimes friction creates heat. And heat's a good thing. Sometimes heat makes things harder. You take steel and you heat it up. And listen, I, I think sometimes God allows that stuff to toughen us up a little bit. You know, we said last week, we're going to be soldiers, not sissies. And sometimes God allows a little friction. God allows a little uh, opposition. God allows some hardships to come in our way to toughen us up. So when the real battle comes, are y'all with me? Let me tell you this. Number two, 
The Lord produces it. We don't make this stuff up, man. We don't just come up with this. Hey, let's just come up with an idea to do. It, it doesn't work that way. It's got to come from God. You say, how do you know it come from God? Because the Bible says, my God put it in my heart. You say, where did he get that from? Did you see what he did in, in chapter number one? The Bible says he mourned, he fasted, he prayed, and he sought the face of God. That's where the vision came from. And all God's people say it. Here's what happened. When it comes to vision, the Lord produces it. Number two, the, the leaders proclaim it. You see, I don't come to you with my opinions about something. I don't come to you with my, my preferences. I don't come to you with what I think. Nehemiah didn't stand before that crowd and says, here's what I think we ought to do. No, the Bible says, he said, this is what God has said. This is what God has done. This is what God has provided. He told them of the hand of his God in his situation. And he did it confidently and consistently. He proclaimed what God had said. Do you realize that no, man has, uh, no man's opinion has any authority whatsoever? But if he comes up here and he opens the word of God and he says, thus saith the Lord, and he gives you chapter and verse and says, this is what God says about it, honey, that's got authority and that has got power. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Somebody say amen. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Preacher, what do we need? We need a vision from God. We cannot make this up. But we need preachers and leaders and people of God who will stand and proclaim it loudly, proclaim it consistently, proclaim it with confidence and know that what God said, God will do. Paul said it this way. How many of y'all remember when Paul was in the shipwreck? And everybody was freaking out. We're going to die. We're going to drown. This is going to happen. And this is what he said. He said, everything's going to be all right. He said, I have heard from the angel of the Lord. Everything's going to be all right. And then he tagged this onto it, which is perfect. He said, for I believe God. You me tell you? I believe God. If God said it, I don't care how it looks. I don't care, I don't care how dark the night. I don't care how big the giant, if God said it, I don't care how little the stone thrower is, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Leaders proclaim it. I don't, you know, when it, when it, how many of y'all know that usually when God is up to something, it's crazy? He tells, he tells Joshua, Dave, he tells Joshua, march seven times around the city. Don't throw a spear, don't shoot an arrow, just march seven times. In seven days, march one time, and then on the seventh day, march seven times that day, and then shout. Uh, uh, Joshua, you want us to what? Can you, Im can you imagine all of the subordinates underneath Joshua when he come back and said, hey, God wants us to do It's the same look some of y'all are looking right now. There'll be times when the leader says, I think God wants us to, and it's going to sound crazy as a run over dog. But guess what? But guess what? If it's a God thing, it's going to be a way that God gets the glory. Nobody could take glory. Nobody could take credit over that win in Jericho. What happened when David was sent in the valley with Goliath? Nobody could take credit for that but God. And you know what? We can never, we can never, please get this, please get this, please get this. I know I'm running a little rabbit right here, but i got to chase it in the hole right here because this is so important. We can never get so arrogant to think that temple is great because of us. Temple is not great because of the preaching. Temple is not great because of the teaching. Temple is not great because of the music, even though I love it and I think it's awesome, I think it's great. Temple is not great because of the band. Temple is not great because of the ministries. Temple is not great because of all the volunteers. Temple is great because of the hand of God that's on this place. We have to know that. We have to know that. We proclaim it. Then, then, then thirdly, then thirdly, and then I'll, I'll share a little bit about the vision. When it comes to vision, the Lord produces it. The leaders proclaim it. And then number three, the laity. The laity, that's you, by the way. That's just a, this is just a, a, a religious term for the layman, the, those in the pews, the followers. 
the laity pursues it. You know, a leader, John Maxwell said it this way. If a leader goes and nobody's following, he's just taking a stroll. If a leader thinks he's a leader and there's nobody following, he's just taking a stroll. A leader is not a leader without the followers following the leader. Here's the difference between a leader and a follower. A leader finds the vision and then the followers. A follower will find the leader and then the vision. You don't have to worry about coming up with a vision. You don't have to worry about that. That is not your problem. Your problem is finding the leader with the vision. Guess what? I don't have to look for followers. There are so many people that are killing themselves and banging their heads against the wall trying to get somebody to follow them. That's backwards. You're not here to find followers. You're here to find vision. If you find the vision and follow the vision, people will follow the one following the vision. I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. Say amen. Amen? You say, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. One of the coolest things about temple, this is the way this worked. How does the laity pursue the vision? By faith in the visionary. They had to have some kind of confidence and faith in Nehemiah. Now, here's the way this worked at Temple. Now, there was like seven or eight hands that raised their hand that was here at Temple. This is the way this worked. God, this is, this is the God's honest truth. This is the way this happened. When it come time, and, 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 and if, if, if all the people that raised their hands would be honest, uh, Temple was kind of discouraged. It was kind of down at the time. Uh, it was, it, it's just, it was, you know, anytime you're without a pastor, uh, for an extended period of time or whatever, it, you, you get down, and, and, and it gets in a bad way. And, and so here we are. We had the concrete pad out there, and, and we needed to build that, that, that L shape on. And, and I said, guys, here's, here's what we need to do. Let's just go. Let's get the money. Let's build that thing. Let's make it happen. Let's just put it up. And, and this, was, was the, this was the response. This is, how, this is how it went from everybody. Oh, okay. All right. Because, see, they were, they were taught well enough to know to follow the leader. But they had been in a little discouraging time. Are y'all with me? So they followed, but it was with one eye open. Are y'all with me? And guess what? We built it. In just a matter of months, we had it done. And we were having Sunday school. And we were having fellowship. Are y'all with me? It was so cool. And then we filled up that 97-seat auditorium. 97 chair, filled it up. I mean, wham, here we go. And I, this is what happened. This is what happened. I come to them, and I said, and it was going to cost some money. I mean, we got, it's going to cost money. And, and, and back then, I, I mean, we don't have money now, but we really didn't have money then. Are you all with me? And I said, hey, guys, we need to tear this wall out and move it back because we're full in here. We can't grow anymore. Hey, we need more room. Hey, let's build. And they was like, okay, okay. And it wasn't, oh, man. It was, okay, a little better, a little better. Guess what? We built it, and we filled that part up. And I said, all right, guys, hey, we've done filled this up. We need a bigger auditorium. We need to go to the auditorium. We need to build this 500-seat auditorium. And you know what they did then? Woo! Yeah! Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. They did the same thing that this crowd did in chapter number 2. When he got through giving his speech, when he got through telling what God had done and what God's plans were, you know what they did? They said, let us rise up and build. Man, let's make it happen. Somebody say amen. And you know what? That's what that crowd did. And you know why? Because we done killed the bear and we done killed the lion. And this was just Goliath fixing to take his head off. Say amen right there. And we built this side. We built this side over here. And I remember, I'm telling you, I remember coming in this building and everybody was so excited. Everybody was so jacked up. There wasn't even a chair in this place. It looked like the Houston Astrodome. And everybody come in there, woo! And I come in here, I'm like, oh, God. What have we done? We'll never fill this up, amen? That scared me to death. But I knew it was a God thing. I thought, I, I, you, you can, you remember? You remember, we'll never fill this up. This in, guess what? Guess what? That building couldn't hold us all. It's a God thing. 
Here's the thing. I can't be what God has called me to be if you're not what God's called you to be. Let me tell you why there's so many church splits. Yep, it's going to get a little hairy right here. Because there's too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You can, you can look at it any way you want to, but anything with two heads is a freak. I don't know any way to put it. That's it. That's right there. He's a freak, man. He'd be in a circus somewhere. Say amen. It's, it's, it's not good. You can't have You can't have that. And I challenge you this. Some of y'all may not like that, but you show me one place in the Bible where God gave vision to a committee. Any place, any place, I challenge you. No. When he wanted to take God's people out of Egypt, he called a man. He called Moses. Listen, he called Joshua. He called Elijah. He called David. He, he always has a man. But listen, that man is only as good as the people following him. And let me tell you what's great about Tim. And this is not coming from me. This is coming from a man who preaches every week of the year in some other church. Preaches every week of the year. He's come here. He has fell in love with Temple. And this was his compliment. This was his statement. This is what he said about Temple. There's a lot of great stuff about Temple. I'm telling you, I can go down the list. I can tell you, there's a lot of bad stuff about Temple. I ain't going to lie. I mean, there's stuff we, we need work on and we don't do good. And we just, but anyway, this is what he said. He said, the greatest thing about Temple and the reason God's hand is on Temple is this, is because everybody wants a small part of something big. He came here and he saw all the volunteers, those that were working the parking lot, those who were working the doors, those who were passing out bulletins, those who were serving, and everybody scurrying around, everybody doing their thing, everybody having a part of something big. He says, when churches get in trouble is when a few people want everything. They want to be the boss. They want to be in charge. They want a big part of something little. Guess what? That mentality will not fly at Temple. Those type of people will not stay at Temple. It's too hot in the kitchen. Say amen. You know what they'll do? They'll leave Temple and they'll go down to a little church, about 20 or 30 people, so they can be the big dog. Well, guess what? That's probably what they need. No, what they need to do is get right with Jesus. That's what they need to do. Amen. Listen, a vision has to have a leader who will proclaim it. A vision has to have people who will follow it and who will pursue it and go after it. Now, I said all that to say this. <clears throat> What's next for Temple? What's next? My, my, whole, my whole time at Temple... The very first day I walked through the doors of Temple Baptist Church, back in October of 1999, uh, October of 99, I was coming to fill in. I wasn't even coming to take this church. I was coming to fill in. And I walked through the doors, and I started looking around, and the first thing I did was count the chairs. And the second thing I did was I was seeing where we could tear out a wall. Because I was thinking, what's next? What's next? What's in the future? Because, see, a visionary has to see beyond what everybody else can see. And I was taught in college, if you can't see it before you see it, you ain't never going to see it. And so my mind has always worked that way. When we, when we tore out that wall and extended out, I could see that. And after we extended that wall out, we hadn't, even, we hadn't even put the furniture back in. And my mind was already thinking about up here. And when we built this 500-seat auditorium, my mind was already thinking about adding on all of this. It was constantly looking forward, constantly looking ahead. And then we got into this building. And nothing. And it kind of spooked me. Because all the time of my ministry, I could always see the next building. I could always see the next step. And here we are. I'm standing and I'm looking. I'm trying to see. And I can't see. 
I don't know about y'all. You say, how do, how do I feel what you're talking about? Blindfold yourself, get in your car, and try to drive home. That's what it felt like. I'm like, okay, God, what's up? Because I know I'm in your will, and I know this is what you wanted. What's next? Now, let me, let me, let me kind of, everybody's like, What's he going to say? Now, 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 let, me, let, me, let me put this out there, just a disclaimer. All right? Disclaimer, because I got in trouble for saying we wasn't ever going to do something, and we did it. And I've learned to say, don't ever say never. Because there was a day I said, we'll never go to two services. And we went to four. Y'all with me? So to take that, when I say what I'm fixing to say, don't think that I'm, God can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And it may, I'm, but I'm saying right now, I don't see this. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? I don't see us going into another building. I don't see us building another building. Now, God may change that in the future. I don't know. But right now, I can't see that. In the vision, I can't see that. But this is what I see. If you'll, if you'll put our, our emblem up there. God has led us and put a vision in our heart to start Temple Baptist Institute. And Temple Baptist Institute is going to be used to develop and to train and to send people out from this place, out into the far country are y'all with me say amen you see this is what God is showing me what determines the success of a church is not its seating capacity it's not its seating capacity do you realize when we had 97 chairs and we had a handful of people and in the 97 chairs I was preaching out of the same book I was preaching with the same anointing. I was preaching with the same sweat that I am now and there was just as much God in that 97 as there is in this 1700 it's not the seating. It's the sending capacity. Say that with me. It's the You see, what makes Temple great is not what happens in this building and in the, these four walls. It's what we take out of here and take what we get here and take it out there. Are y'all with me? God has called us to train. God has called us and author. A matter of fact, the church is the only institution authorized to do this. It's to win people, bring them up. And Paul said it best when he said in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, that which thou hast learned of me, commit thou to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. Preacher, what's the point? I believe this may be the final building, but this is not the final temple. I believe there's going to be families that God will raise up in temple and train them and call them and send them and commission them and then be little temples all over America. Can we give God praise and glory? Listen, we, we had a ton of young people come back from Suriname, fired up, jacked up about serving God in the mission field. We've got young people that God is touching, God is calling, God is putting. And, and by the way, by the way, be careful. You, you cheering and you clapping for everybody else that God's going to call, it may be you. I was minding my own business in church and God messed with me. He said, Malcolm. I said, <clears throat> ask Joe. <laughs> I don't want <clears throat> I wonder who God's calling right now. I wonder who needs to leave this church service right now and sign up for TBI right now because God's got a plan for your life that's bigger than you could ever imagine. Bigger than you can ever imagine. Back in 1989, 89, when I finally said, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want, I was 17 years old. I never in a million years thought I'd be standing here today looking at all y'all. 
And by the way, the early service, it was jammed in here. It was packed out. And, and I, I can't even fathom that in my head. Preacher, why are you saying this? Don't sell yourself short because God's got a great plan for you. You are probably going to be a part of what's next. Not going to be a new building. It's going to be a bunch of y'all leaving this building and taking what you get from here and going out there and taking the gospel to people who's never heard. And all God's people say it. Let's all stand. Everyone stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I, I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for Temple. I want to pray for the next step, the vision, the, the direction, the, the move that God is putting in this place. I want to pray for you. I want you to be in the very perfect will of God for your life. I want you to step up and be courageous. I don't want you to be discouraged when you have opposition. I don't want you to be discouraged when things come to try to stop. I want you to know that it's God's will for whatever it is that God's called you to. I want you to be willing to go. You see, the, you see, the first step is not hammering on the wall. The first step is being willing to go. And some of you right now are struggling with just being willing to go. You'll never find peace in your life. You'll never find fulfillment in your life. You'll never find satisfaction in your life till you surrender and say, God, whatever your will is for my life, I'm ready to go. Total complete surrender if you're here today and you're going to be baptized if you've come this morning to be baptized if you'll make your way over to my left just go to the far side of the building behind the black curtain there there'll be somebody there to help you if you're a lady or a gentleman there'll be brother brother shane and miss tracy will be right over there they will help you so make your way over there now if you're coming to be baptized and everyone else let's pray let's pray let's sell out right now let's surrender completely right now lord